We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 118, 119, and 120. And this all focuses on the law of tithing to me. And he does try to teach us faith. And he does try to extend us and get us to really show our faith in those laws. And so I want to start in verse 3. As he has called these new members of the 12 and the 12 apostles job is to be missionaries as we know it still is now. It says, let the residue continue to preach from that hour. And if they will do this in all lowliness of heart and meekness and humility and long suffering and long suffering is true. Their families are suffering. It is a huge sacrifice. I, the Lord, will give them a promise that I will provide for their families. And I love this because um, I just recently read the story of Brigham Young and his first wife had passed away and he had two small children and he meets a woman named Mary and they end up getting married. And he goes on mission after mission after mission and is, all of this is happening um, with the controversy in Missouri and being chased from place to place. This woman is affected by that and tells the story of her having their first child together and she's got his other two which just they've got their three children and she rows across the river with her brand new baby and it's the spray is dousing her so she's it's freezing cold and she is soaking wet and she knocks on a door and asks for food and it's so touching to me to read as mission after mission after mission she she goes through this and he's gone and she literally just takes on the role of motherhood and does whatever she needs to do, taking and ironing, taking and washing, I guess not ironing, probably washing and cleaning and doing whatever she needs to do to provide for his family. And I'm sure that these members of the 12 knew of the things their families were going through and thought, Heavenly Father, you promised if I sacrificed and I'm starving and people aren't letting me in and I'm sleeping on the cold, hard ground. Where is the provision for my family? And I can remember thinking, where is the provision for our family? My husband's patriarchal blessing says that we will never want. Well, I can tell you there were times I went to the grocery store with $17 with 15 things on the list and magically came out with two bucks left. There were times that I opened the cupboard and thought, okay, this is all we have. This is what we're going to have for dinner. And was I full? And was there ample? No. But he did provide. And I think he does that on purpose to really test and try our faith. Will we believe? Because the promise of abundance, the promise of joy, the promise of Zion is after this life. This life is to test and to try us. And so I really love that in 118, these sweet apostles who showed such faith. Okay, so now go to 119. The bank has failed. People are struggling with their testimony of Joseph Smith. And here we come in verse 1. Verily thus saith the Lord, I require all their surplus property to put in the hands of the bishop of the Church of Zion. Okay, that's for us to determine he doesn't say what a surplus is we get to decide what our surplus is and then into for the building of mine house for the laying of the foundation of zion and for the priesthood and the debts of the presidency of the church that is still what we use tithing for the reasons we pay is to relieve poverty 
to purchase lands and build temples. And this shall be the beginning of the tithing of my people. And after that, verse 4, those who have thus been tithed shall pay one-tenth after they've given their surplus of all their interest annually. And this shall be a standing law to them forever. And it is still our law. And it was interesting to read Bishop Partridge, the Bishop of Missouri, suggested before this revelation that maybe they have the people after they pay off their debts, give 2% of what they had. And then Joseph, he presents this and Joseph Smith comes with a question to the Lord, how much would you require of the people? And I just love this. It is so touching to me that 2% is suggested and God's law is 10. And the reason it's so touching to me is for us now, that is not hard. That really, I guess for some it might be, it really isn't that difficult. He has given us so much and it, we're just stewards and we're just giving back 10%. And then we get to decide with fast offerings and other things what the surplus is, what we will turn back to him, for which he pours out so many blessings upon us. What a gift that he gives us that opportunity and gives us the chance to choose how charitable we will be, how giving we will be, and he blesses us for that. I am floored that they would suggest two and the Lord would require a tenth. And I just think, man, that has to have been such a trial for them. And yet these people give and give and give. And you know We've all heard the stories of people who came to Zion and wrote a check for everything they had, wealthy, wealthy people, and just took enough to provide a wagon. And I I just recently read of one who took a check. He wanted to make sure everyone could go with handcarts. He was in the handcart company, and so he took enough to provide wealthy men. And I think the sum was $35,000 he turned over to the church, which is millions now, and um, wanted, saw all these people who needed a way to go. So rather than get a wagon and oxen, he got a handcart for his family so that the rest could provide for other people to come. And that is so touching to me. Um, it says in the handbook, I love this, that the money offered was calculable, but the blessings never are. And that is so true. God loves to pour out his blessings on us. But it's not always the way we think. It's not always monetary. And so when I've said, you know, that magically the $17 covered the food we needed, but we didn't have surplus. Magically, there was food in the cupboard. It wasn't a ton and maybe not what I liked, but it did feed us. Okay, verse 5, Verily I say to you, it shall come to pass that all those who gather to the land of Zion shall be tithed of their surplus and shall observe their law, that law, or they shall not be found worthy to abide. And then in 6, it says this law is sanctifying the land of Zion and that it may be most holy. And that is how he sanctifies us. It's all our choice. And man, it shows who we are. And it does say in the handbook, if we cannot live it, we cannot live in the celestial kingdom. It's all preparation. I love that it says a surplus can mean that which is indispensable or for any purpose, but what remains after supplying what is needed for that purpose. 
What do you need to feed and provide a home for your family? Everything else that may is given. And I love that. And then it says, Orson F. Whitney said, the law of tithing was given to supersede the law of consecration. It was to do away with selfishness, greed, pride, envy, and poverty. To keep their hearts open for the reception when this law of consecration will return. Those who obey the law of tithing will be prepared to live the law of consecration, which we understand will be required um, when we, uh, in the second coming, when we live with the Lord. And I love this. I have this written. I don't know who said it. We would find any means to live this law and to give, not any means to get out of living this law. So I love that. Um, the principle of tithing shows the loyalty of the people to this church. It shall be put to the test. By this principle, it shall be known who is for the kingdom of God and who is not. Your hearts will be set on doing the will of God and keeping his commandments. And man, you read about these early members and it's obvious their hearts were set on doing the will of the Lord. And that's what makes it Zion is that it is a choice and that we choose to follow Christ and it sanctifies us and makes us most holy. So I love that. Okay, in 120, um, it talks about this council that will meet together and be directed by the Lord and decide where the disposition of property should go. They will decide the surplus that's turned to them, where it will go and how it will be used. And that's still how it is done today. And I love in conference that they stand up and they have us sustain the leaders of the church and they give an accounting still to this day and those people um answer to the lord for what they do i think it is amazing we always read and hear um how wealthy our church is people will say in time magazine how rich we are and and they will cry foul and um, we were sitting in a hospital one day i was in there with my daughter in the emergency room and we heard the people on the other side of the curtain and COVID was happening. We weren't there for that. We were there. Um, she had been hit by a car. It had been in a car accident. And we were getting her checked out um, because she had been T-boned. And we heard these people on the other side of the curtain. And um, they were waiting to be helped. And the one was saying to the other, oh, you know, these these wealthy, wealthy Mormons are so selfish. These wealthy people who won't give, you know what it, and they just went off on how horrid the members of the church is and how uncharitable we are and that we hoard the money for ourselves. And my daughter just kept looking at me as they were going off and just using the most foul language. And when we walked out, she just looked and said, how can they believe such lies and I said because they do not know and I said isn't it a gift that we know how charitable our church is that it is all set up the Lord set it up starting at this time on those laws and the money is calculable but the blessings are not and it is the magic of God that you can't account for that if you are obedient he pours out and multiplies and somehow I don't know how. It is magic. It works. And he blesses us so much. I remember my dad saying when things would get tight, they would decide to up their fast offering or give to the missionaries. And reading his journal, he would count at the end of the year all they had given and all they were able to do. 
as they raised 10 kids. And so much of the time he was a lawyer for worked for himself. So much of the time he was, he would journal, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm trying so hard, but it just seems that things aren't working out. The car breaks down and I'm hoping for another client, but just waiting. And it was so touching to me to read and to know giving was always so important, but also to read the magic of God, all that they were able to accomplish that financially, if you recorded it, there's no way they could do it. But the knowledge and the faith in the law of tithing and the goodness of God is what makes that happen. And that is why our church is wealthy, because it is God's money and it is there to build temples and to provide for the poor. And what an honor and a blessing it is to be included in such an organization. Um, I loved listening to conference Sister Eubanks talk as she detailed all the church has done this past year. And that COVID, in COVID, where they thought the donations would go down, they went up. It makes me so proud to be a member of the church and makes me so desire to be more than I am, to give more than we give. And I love that God gives that opportunity and that blessing to us. What a gift to be part of such a church and to have such a law that provides such blessings for us. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.